Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Fanbytes, you love to see it. A podcast styled after a delightful neighborhood video store where a pair of incredibly charismatic co-hosts and occasional guests rewatch old-ish movies and give it fresh takes. But like, in a fun way. Because we're not like every movie rewatch podcast. We're a cool movie rewatch podcast. Every month we pick a theme. Every week we watch a movie, and then we decide if it has successfully completed its mission and therefore gets to enjoy some hard-earned decompression time in the comfort of our esteemed staff pick shelf, if it's got just enough fuel to stay afloat and hang out with the other middle-of-the-ocean picks of our totally acceptable middle aisle, or if it's a stinker and a sinker and shall be destined to languish under several layers of coral reef growth among scary sea creatures, toxic waste, and an endless carousel of what I eat in a day YouTube videos. Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda, stop calling me Jerry Prates, and my fellow government joke report, Danielle, men are afraid of stupid things, Riondo. Hi, Danielle. Hi. This is just all I learned in this movie, that's all. Government joke report is actually the perfect nickname. And we'll get into, into the why of that. But we'll say, um, I will say that given the current state of affairs of the world, um, having a whole alien operation based on a joke report written by one dude does not seem that far-fetched. It's really <laughs> real. It gets more real every year. Every year. I, every year. Every year. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> but uh, just as a reminder, before we get into today's movie, this month we're once again pushing the boundaries of the timeless art of the pun and taking our cinematic journey into a new, unfamiliar, straight-up terrifying element, water. That's right, as the month of Aquarius advances, we too shall advance in our quest toward deciphering some of the many mysteries of the ocean in a month that shall be referred to as you love to see it. Get it? C-C-S-E-A. We know you got it. You are here after all, so that must mean you are very smart and very cool. 
cool enough for sure to forgive the fact that by sea and ocean we really mean just any large bodies of water and that by deciphering mysteries we really mean watching humans be relentlessly chased chewed and or chopped up by creatures that tend to be byproducts of their own ambition carelessness and or sheer stupidity so get ready to jump aboard our submarine hear a long ass and possibly scientifically shaky lecture about the dangers of depressurization and banter about your several PhDs while grappling with some of the greatest mysteries of the universe along with the crew members of 1998's Sphere. What did you tell him? What did I tell him? I told him I was here to see the, the, the plane crash. That's my job. Good. There was no plane crash. Spacecraft. But that was a report about a possible encounter with an alien being. You want to come with me? You are the human contact team that was recommended in the Goodman report. We have a biochemist to assess the physiology of the unknown life form. We have a mathematician because that'll probably be our common language. And we have an astrophysicist to locate its place in the cosmos. Try to relax. So you're saying that you have a fuselage from a spacecraft over a half a mile long that crashed into the ocean 300 years ago and it's completely intact? That's right. And the kicker is, something's still running inside. It's human. What's in his hand? I don't know. Hey guys, I'm getting a reading on the sonar. You're not alone out there. For those of you who have yet to be acquainted with this particular tale of shit going wrong in the bottom of the ocean, here's a quick summary. Sphere is a movie about a giant sphere, though not only about a giant sphere, because the giant sphere itself is a lot more than just a giant sphere. It's also a creepy, semi-alive thing that holds a very needy supernatural entity and the totally chill power to allow humans to physically manifest a bunch of stuff including their very worst fears. Some of those fears are sea snakes and giant squids, which sounds dumb, but it's actually kind of fair because snakes and giant squids are really fucking scary. In any case, the movie is as much about the giant sphere as it is about the people who end up affected by said sphere, which in this particular case are, among others, Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, Samuel L. Jackson, Queen Latifah, and the guy who plays Sabretooth. They're all smart people which we know because they have several PhDs, yet their feeble earthly knowledge is not enough to save them from this sphere shit because this sphere shit takes place in the bottom of the ocean and the bottom of the ocean straight up. Um, that's what I gather. From <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it might be wrong. I'm still trying to Are figure right? some stuff out. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure some stuff out, and I'm sure you're going to help me with it. But first, yeah. uh, we're going to jump into the first segment of the show, the segment that we like to call setting the scene in which we discuss our history with the movie. We give a, a little background without going into spoiler territory, which means it's a safe zone for all of you who Yes, we're getting started in our mission, hopping in our submarine to start setting. So 
like I said, this is our first segment, setting the scene, spoiler free. This is a safe space for those of you who have not watched the movie. And this is where we discuss our little background with the movie. And I'm actually really curious, uh, Danielle, to hear yeah. your, your history, because obviously this was your pick. And I forgive yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah. After after Piranha, I feel like I don't. I'm I'm in no position to judge anybody. Uh, I mean, it's funny. We did it to each other, and we didn't even mean to do this. But we did this to each other one week after the other, and it's very funny to me. Like this was not planned, but it It was not. It was not because both movies had been picked before. It wasn't like oh, I'm just gonna like get revenge on Fernando. But yes, tell me a little bit about your 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 relationship with Sphere. Absolutely. Well, uh, slight conspiracy theory, I guess. But I always make people watch movies I really like on my birthday. Uh, oh, okay. Is, <laughs> this is a birthday pick. And actually, believe it or not, I so when I was a young one, when I was a teenager here in 1998, a thing to do, and I don't know if this is wild or if nobody's ever done this before or since, but was to have like a movie theater birthday party. And this wasn't renting out the movie theater. This is way before any of that. It was like, you have yeah. a little party at home and then you and just then go, go and buy like eight tickets for you and like eight of your friends, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that with fear and I loved it to death. Also because I loved the book so much. I read that book uh, okay. like six times as like a kid, uh, okay. as like a young teenager. So okay. uh, I have not read this book since then, but it has a lot of really, really interesting high concept ideas. It's very like the weed smoking grad student, you know, kind of like, oh man, what if this shit, which I love, (laughs) I truly love. I will just let you know that I love that shit so much. I love high concept sci-fi, even if it like absolutely fucking falls on its face. If it has a cool (laughs) core idea, I'm so in. I'm a hundred percent in and, you know, uh, so I really like this movie. I will tell you, this held up so much better for me than I thought it would because I really thought like, oh, no, I haven't seen this since I was drunk in college. And before <laughs> that, I was 14 years old. So like baby brain and then drug college brain like those. That's not good. Evidence. Those are very specific states of mind. Yes, they don't right? necessarily <laughs> hold up. And in I the watched long run. it. Exactly. Exactly. And I watched it again on my birthday a couple of days ago and I watched it with my girlfriend and. While I think it has major flaws, I do not think mm-hmm. it's a perfect movie by any means. It kind of held up for me better than I thought because, again, it does sell, I think, the wild, high-concept sci-fi ideas. Like, it serves them on a plate. Does mm-hmm. it serve them with all the accoutrements you might want? No. Yeah. Does it serve them perfectly cooked? No. But it serves them, and therefore, <laughs> therefore, I love sphere. Like the preparation might not be ideal, but the ingredients are there. Right. So like, I'm not gonna reference the episode of Friends with the beef trifle again because I feel like I've done it <laughs> twice already. Uh, but it's just such a good metaphor. It's like beef, good cream, good. Then why wouldn't this souffle with beef and cream? be good which i don't think it was but i understand the math (laughs) it's Uh, fair no but we'll we'll, again we'll we'll get into it uh in a little bit when we enter the spoiler uh filled section of the show but i had no no relationship whatsoever to sphere i've not read the book i have never read any of crichton's books um and i Kind of had a vague recollection of the poster, but it's so like the vaguest 
sci-fi like 90s early 2000s poster that is just like in my mind that to me was just kind of wild when i was like oh so the poster is like dustin hoffman and sharon stone and like how have i not watched this before like on name alone i'm i'm intrigued um so I didn't really, I, I went into it completely like, un, I knew that it was like ocean related because obviously this is the theme of the month, but that was <laughs> the limit to my uh, knowledge. So I went into it pretty like fresh and open to whatever. Um, and then I'm not loving it in case, uh, you know, my hints. <laughs> but I will say this, there was a lot about it that I liked. Um, okay. All right. Uh, there was a lot about it that I liked, uh, and I wanted to like it more, but I don't think it came together in a way that made me emotionally connect to it in any way. And that to me is kind of the problem with any movie, because then I find myself getting really distracted. And like you said, there are so many concepts that if you get lost in the plot for like 10 minutes, you're like, wait, I completely missed the introduction of this particular concept and the rest of the movie just feels a little weird after that so i think it's a little me uh in it too just not being as invested as i could have been but um yeah that was my my sphere experience which was none um and i'm looking forward actually to discussing it with you because knowing you like it so much i feel like you might open my eyes to certain things (laughs) that maybe i missed Though the several reviews that I read did not, because a lot of people hated <laughs> No, I, I, I know. I'm, a, I'm so I didn't aware. Know. Yeah. I didn't know, though. At the time, do you were you aware of, like, the sentiment around the movie? I mean, I was 14. So, you know, I like was a, keeping a, up I was with a, that kind of... I, like, I'm pretty sure I was, like, reading a lot of movie reviews in the newspaper, in the physical newspaper. I know. Yeah. It makes me, like, a boomer. I understand. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I did the same. I, I, I read, read them. <laughs> yeah, and I would, like, we had a movie critic in the Providence Journal that was not always in lockstep with a lot of other movie critics. And I'm really okay. racking my brain trying to remember if he liked it or not, <laughs> or if he thought it was kind of cool or not. This might have been a, like a three star review from him, which he did a lot, where it's like, some things are cool. I love Dustin Hoffman. Sharon Stone <laughs> is cool. Like, probably was something along those lines, and maybe I'm making it up. But yeah, I just, I love the book that much that this yeah. was very exciting for me. And like, I think it's actually a pretty, interesting adaptation of the book in that there are a lot of like winks and nods and things like that to Mm -hmm. like really intricate concepts in the book and or things in pop culture that I didn't pick up on of course as a 14 year old that I did this time yeah so there's a lot going on in it um but I again this is one where honestly I, I have a few theories about this and I can I can share a couple of them one is that I kind of feel similarly to about this movie as I do about Prometheus, which is like, I don't think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things fall in their face about it, but it has a lot of cool ideas and therefore yeah. I like it. My other cool theory is that this is the weed smoking grad student version of Event Horizon, another movie I make people watch on my birthday. You know? Okay, I've um, never watched it. Right, we did, we did it last year, right oh. around this week as well, on this very podcast, uh, which is before you, you came aboard. But it's also a movie about uh, derelict uh, 
craft that picks up something and things happen. Okay. So actually, core plot, basically, (laughs) very similar. (laughs) Yeah. I think when you you bring up the weed, like the weed smoking grad student, it's funny because I had, like, I actually had a similar analogy, but it's like (laughs) the weed smoking student in college who is taking a philosophy class. So at a party, he just goes off on some philosophy shit. And the second you interrogate him about something, he's like, you wouldn't get it and move on. So it's like, like, okay, maybe, maybe it's a little smoke and mirrors. But one thing I do think happens when you have read the book, even if it's not necessarily conscious, is a lot of the blanks that movies leave, your brain automatically fills them in. So stuff that to me might have been just like, why am I, why is this scene happening or whatever? Like your brain just had an easier time with the context than me uh, watching it. So I think that might influence. I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into these specific uh, aspects and we're actually going to do our next segment, our second part of the show, which those of you who listen to us every week and who therefore are amazing Congratulations on being <laughs> weekly listeners. Um, we like the casuals too. You all have a place here in our hearts. Uh, but as you may know, now we enter the parts where we do get into the spoilers because we will discuss specific aspects of the plot and we will inevitably discuss the ending. Uh, of the movie, which oh, I'm sure yeah. just Google sphere ending and you might get a sense of how people feel about this ending. And spoiler alert, I don't think anybody likes it. It's awful. <laughs> awful. God awful. It's garbage. Hot, <laughs> hot, stinky garbage is what it is. <laughs> we'll get into it. And yeah. a lot more in our next section, stripping it down. But before, before we move on, please stick around for a little bit of ads. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Danielle, so as I just explained, we are heading into a spoiler-filled segment. So those of you who have not watched the movie, it's two hours and 14 minutes long. So find time. <laughs> <laughs> Do that and come back to join our conversation. Uh, but I... Okay. I... The, the sci-fi ideas, which is something that you have already mentioned and that you put on your notes and sort of like these 
these concepts. I see what you mean, but I just, my thing is that a lot of it is kind of thrown in there. Sure. And I don't really see a lot of, like, it's such an interesting theme, right? Basically, uh, these people are sent into a, a craft that they think is an alien craft, but from what I was able to gather, it's not an alien craft, it's a craft from the correct. future. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I was like, is this? Because <laughs> I had this thing where often I'm like, is this me being stupid or is that not very clear? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but they do. Good. Yeah. <laughs> they go into a craft and they have this uh sphere that allows them to manifest things and they end up manifesting a bunch of bad shit because people are bad. That's kind of like how I what I gathered. <laughs> that to me is very interesting too. I yeah. really like the idea, but I don't know, the pacing, the way that it was structured, I don't know. To me, the end felt rushed with the middle oh, yeah. that stretched on a little too long. I really like the beginning. So to me, it was a little disjointed. Sure. Um, is uh, In the book, though, do you think that these ideas are maybe better explored or do you like the way that the movie went about them? Right. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge thing for me. Um, the book is really about sort of two core ideas, one of which... Uh, is very, well, there's, there's a few things going on here, but one, let's call it three core ideas. One, okay. that there is some sort of alien artifact that was mm -hmm. brought back. Again, it, there's like time travel happens, a black hole mm -hmm. happens, uh, but it's like an American spaceship from 2044 or whatever that picks the thing up and then it causes their manifestations to happen. They crash land on Earth in like 1709 or something. So there's this great mystery of like, oh, we found this craft that's 300 years old. Holy shit. Um, so that, that like core kind of mystery is, is happening. And this artifact, whether it's a intended effect or a side effect, creates a situation where the people who go in it then have some of their thoughts manifested into reality. So like one of the ways it's explained in the book, that's really cool. And I'll just put this out there because this is the coolest thing. And I don't know why this wasn't a line. This should have been a Samuel L. Jackson line because he has all the best lines in this movie. Uh, where he's like usual. explaining things in a simple way, as usual, as always. <laughs> but like, it's his character, I believe. I, I haven't read it in a while, but it's his character, I believe, where, you know, they talk about the power mm -hmm. once they kind of know what's going on. And they're sort of like, this must be a test. Like, that this, this artifact is a test of like our intentions and our ability mm -hmm. to like deal with power. And he's kind of like, not necessarily. And then he proposes this thought experiment where it's like, Say we have like a satellite, like one of our normal satellites and say there's a piece of like intelligent bacteria and it encounters the satellite and it's like, oh, it's a maze. It's meant to test my abilities. And it goes around and it gets zapped, you know, whatever, in the electricity of the satellite. And it's just like, I have failed the test. Mm -hmm. The gods or whatever aliens that devise this test for me, uh, they, I have failed them. And it's like, no, it was just a satellite. So like this object could be like an alien vacuum cleaner or like an alien booger, like none of it matters because it just, maybe it's just a side effect and we're just so different and that we could never actually understand what the real intention is. And this is just what it does to us. That idea is like the coolest thing on the fucking planet. And I am all about the like weed smoking grad student thing where it's like, dude, we just <laughs> I, can't understand them. And there are a few lines in the mm -hmm. movie, especially towards the beginning where it's like, uh -huh. they're trying to figure out intention yeah. and trying to figure out like, oh, what does anything mean? Like it's reflecting things. Does that mean there's an intelligence in there? Or is it just, again, we just don't know. We just can't know. And it, that's 
truly fascinating to me. Like this idea of like, oh, we just genuinely, we're not capable. Our brains are adapted in a very particular way to live on this earth Mm -hmm. with other things on this earth. And we could never know like what an alien intelligence is actually like, unless they were enough like us to be able to think like us. Yeah, and we, that's a, and when you say this to me like this, I'm fascinated too. I just didn't get it from the movie. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. It's not, it's not explained well. Like there's like a couple of throwaway lines as they're getting towards the spaceship where they talk about that, where they're like, Mm -hmm. maybe it's like an unintentional thing. They breathe certain gas and it's like, they're not trying to kill us, but they killed us because of an unintended side effect. Like that idea is there, but not very well explained. Yeah, it's There's, a, a part. Uh, I was actually rewatching a little bit of it. This I watched this in two parts, listener, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I was like not really enjoying it. And I was like, you know what? This Fair. could just be a mood thing. So I'm going to continue Fair. it um, tomorrow. Yeah. And that backfired, too, because then I was a little detached from the first half. And <laughs> sure. So I will sure. make it clear that this... Uh, my strategy, my bold strategy might not have paid off and this could also be contributing to it, but I was just rewatching it now a little bit when Samuel Jackson says that because they're like, what if yeah. they breathe out cyanide and like want right. to kill us? And they were like, well, maybe they don't want to kill us because if they can't be killed, there's no morality to the idea of killing or something. And exactly. you can kind of see something there interesting, but then it doesn't really go much further and the dialogue to me was one of the main issues because yeah. it's very weird. And while I yeah. generally appreciate weirdness, I feel like some of this very interesting, juicy stuff gets lost in just some like interactions that loses because they're just not that engaging or that well thought out. There's some, I don't know, there's some choices made that I don't necessarily understand. I remember a little bit when Dustin Hoffman's character is talking to the entity, Jerry, who turned out mm-hmm. to be Harry, who was Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Even though if you substitute the letters, the entire yep. messages change. Completely <laughs> stupid! I don't know if that right? makes sense. Right? Uh, and I'm so like, stupid! This is like, which makes sense. And I'm like, maybe it's me. Like, I don't understand the code. And then I went on IMDb and it's like, goofs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big one. It's a giant plot hole. Like, it's, it's really giant. <laughs> but he's yeah. talking to uh, Jerry. And when Jerry says, stop calling me Jerry. And he's like, talking to it. And it's like, why, Jerry? Why? And there's this weird, like, camera movement. And he says, why, like, five times? And it's so strange. And I'm like, <laughs> why are these... Yeah choices like they're underwater like being victims of their own main fears this is like a whole sci-fi scene like you don't need trickery this is like enough conceptually to get the conception so i feel like mostly in the middle of the movie that's kind of where i was a little (sighs) yeah i don't know disappointed or kind of lost in the soup of it all because i do feel like the beginning sets it up Weird too. Let's establish yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, for though, sure. <laughs> even though as we were saying in the intro, uh, the whole the whole team gets assembled when uh, Dustin Hoffman, who is a psychologist, sends oh. a bogus report to the White House in which he just <laughs> randomly names some people that he would yep. like to have with him. Yep. In the case of an alien inv- invasion. And he did it for like $35,000 and it was just complete bullshit. 
<laughs> it's like, very, it's very good. Like, I actually sort of love this concept. And, like, they do go into it a little bit in the book, of course, of, like, he, he does his best. And, like, they kind of show that in the movie. It's just, like, it's impossible. Again, like, I love that this movie kind of says, like, humanity's just not up for it. Even, uh-huh. even very smart people, and they're supposed to be very smart people. Yeah. Like, just are not, just, there's just no human's conception of like how we should actually do this. So he kind of does his best to make this report. And he's like, I guess I'll get paid and I'll do this report. And like, this makes sense to me, but there's just no, there's just no knowing it and no sort of fathoming it. And I just want to, um, I want to address something about the middle as well. Uh, because again, this is a factor of the book where like the other two core theses, one is this unknowable, uh, mm-hmm. that aliens are unknowable. Right. And that, that, this sort of core idea of like, if they're not incredibly similar to us and why would they be? Yeah. There's just no, there's just no possibility of like truly understanding intention. The second concept is that in the report, Norman talks about how you should never have three crew members ever on any team because in teams of three, people will always side with one another. And that's the whole middle of the movie. Oh, it's like once yeah. everybody else is dead, it's like they're all, their paranoia takes over and they're mm-hmm. siding with each other and it becomes incredibly bogged down and stupid and it doesn't work at all in a movie, even though it's like more interesting in the book. And then the third thing is that Norman himself as a psychologist has like a chip on his shoulder about being a psychologist where the other like hard sciences people are always like, well, it's not a real science, Norman. So there's like a (laughs) whole area of this movie that's supposed to be like very psychological thriller and very like, oh, you know, the ways in which scientists talk to each other, the ways in which they kind of compete with each other, even though, again, these are like smart people who are trying to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. Some of that comes through and some of it just doesn't. Because I completely agree with you. I think there's a lot of weird acting decisions and directing decisions and editing decisions as well. Editing, absolutely. This just feels like a movie that bit off so much more than Mm -hmm. it could possibly chew. So it has these wild, high-concept ideas that are not explained very well, that Mm -hmm. are incredibly satisfying, yummy, delicious sci-fi things to chew on. The time travel, the alien intelligence being unknowable. And, of course, this idea of, like, manifesting your fears in ways that I definitely want to talk about some of the more subtle areas where that happens that I think are actually kind of cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. But, like, all this delicious stuff to chew on. And yet it's like, no, 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 but we have to make a marketable horror movie. Uh, 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 um, I guess squids jellyfish. and jellyfish <laughs> and everybody dies. And, uh, uh, let's make it two and a half hours long and let's have this incredibly stupid romance subplot that never <laughs> needed to be anywhere, <laughs> any, like, at all. But also, it just feels so uncertain in a lot of its filmmaking. Like, yeah. some parts feel, like, very cool and very interesting and very mysterious and other parts feel like not a very good action movie. And then there's the ending that we can talk about later, but it's the most piss poor. (laughs) I don't even think it's like poorly like conceived. I I genuinely feel like, okay, as a concept of how it ends, and we can talk about it later, but like as a concept, I don't even hate it. It's just the way it's shot. Yeah. The way it's filmed, the way it's so rushed, just absolutely sucks the life out of the room. It's very your essay in high school that ends it with, and they woke up. Like, right. It's very much (laughs) like that. Because you just don't know what else to do with it and it's running for way too long and you just have to tie it all together somehow. It's just done now. Bye, movie's over. Movie. Like, what? <laughs> and that was two yeah. hours and 14 minutes later. I was just going to say, that could have been shaved off other 90 segments. Minutes. This movie could have been 90 minutes long and, and much and more have satisfying. And have a better ending. Yeah, and oh, have yeah. a much yes. better ending. And I totally... And, and there are some even nice bits in the attempts at horror, like when they find the first body... 
I feel like yeah. the first body is terrifying. I like the choice of the giant squid because you see a squid in the raider and that's more yeah. terrifying than if they had attempted to do like a giant squid probably because it probably wouldn't have been a good giant squid. So I right. think it's more terrifying to have like eggs and things that you can yes. actually make a little weird. And the yeah. thing, I actually read a, one of the reviews I was reading um, complained like they don't have enough beasties. And then the beast that is the giant squid, which is one of the great like sort of, at least in my opinion, like when we talk about the ocean, which is really, truly fucking terrifying. Yeah. The idea of giant squids is like probably the most terrifying of them all. <laughs> like if I would ever to encounter a giant squid, I would just literally immediately die. Like my body would just be like, this is too horrendous of a sight. You're <laughs> I yeah. love these little bits. I liked... Uh, so. And I liked, there are some moments that I liked and some ideas that I liked, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I feel like some choices were just, it felt jumbled. It felt like putting, they were trying to put too much into it when there was really no need because you had enough juice for a movie that could have been more compact and at the same time more complex um, and more competent in exploring these concepts. Because again, like the way you're explaining them to me, uh, I kind of like want to read the book now. I'm just like, oh, if I had, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll rewatch the movie and like see the things I missed. But I like I missed a lot of it on on the watch. And yeah, very interesting. So yeah, uh, the thing you mentioned, the romance, it's barf, barf, barf. So the whole concept of the romance, which I'm gonna put in quotes because it's actually just like, just like a fucking terrible situation that yeah. Norman, uh, Dustin Hoffman's character was a psychologist and he had an affair with his patient who yeah. happens to be patient slash student patient Ugh. slash student really unclear. What the fuck? Entire yeah. It's real bad. It's really bad. And Although I do have a thought about some part of it. But I want to hear your your thoughts first. No, I actually wanted to ask you because you did bring up something very interesting and you have that in your notes. And it made me think about the Sharon Stone character uh, much more kindly because I didn't really yeah. like her in the movie. Um, she's very distressed the entire time. Like that's kind of feels like her role. And then you're right in a lot of the points that you make about the reasons why she's this distressed character and why I feel like she ends up being the more profound character of them all. Why she ends up sort of manifesting the actual, like more, uh, you know, the more serious traumas rather than just like stupid creatures and, and dumb ass <laughs> shit. Like she's actually, <laughs> yeah. so I wanted yeah. to hear, hear your thoughts on, on, on the Sharon Stone character. Yeah, absolutely. So, so much of her character, again, and this is reading things charitably, and, like, I am, I'm actually really with you. I happen to love this movie, but I think it has a thousand problems. But yeah. a charitable read of the movie says, this, here, here goes. She goes in, maybe not before anybody else, but way before you think she goes in. Mm -hmm. And her fears start manifesting way before other stuff happens. So, you know, Commander Guy, whatever, I don't even know what his name is, Commander, Commander of the mission guy, yeah, right? That he, guy. 
mysteriously, he's obsessed with every aspect of this mission, every detail, everything about every single person on this entire mission. And yet he somehow finds a report with uh, Norman's like psych notes in it about, a, uh, so sorry, uh, we have to do a uh, content warning here uh, for suicidal ideation. Yeah. Content warning right here. Boom, boom. Um, he just mysteriously finds these notes like randomly. Like that mm-hmm. just happens. He yeah. just happens to find right? that thing in the middle of this mission. No, I don't think so. I think that manifested <laughs> because Beth is really fucking afraid of all these fucking men thinking mm-hmm. she's stupid and weak and helpless and has mental health issues. We see all of this like very much in the text of the movie because mm-hmm. that's what she's afraid of. She's afraid of not having food. She's yeah. afraid of these men like thinking she's stupid and weak. Like that's exactly what she's afraid of. Mm-hmm. Like she's afraid of all this paranoia um and she's afraid of wanting to die. And like things that are like yeah. frankly incredibly relatable. relatable. Like she's yep. this badass woman scientist, biochemist. She's the only fucking doctor aboard too who knows how to deal with basically anything that happens. She's the only person who knows how to deal with legitimately any situation. She can give people shots. She can give people chemicals. She can actually treat things. She actually knows how to deal with the snakes. So she's the most competent person on board. Yet because she socializes a woman, Mm -hmm. she feels like this deep, like, worry about the men not trusting her and not thinking she's smart. I think it manifests, like, immediately in in things like, oh, people found that report. The commander guy found this report on her that she had a suicide attempt and found notes that Norman had taken. Like, it really adds a flavor to the movie. Again, I'm reading it charitably, and I know I'm reading it charitably. (laughs) So don't worry. I don't think I'm, like, I think this movie's a genius or anything. But it, it, it's so much more interesting if you think of it that way than just it is. a shittily written movie. <laughs> but now, right? again, like, I, I wish I had watched it with, like, Danielle commentary. <laughs> like, that feature on the DVD. <laughs> like, this is stupid dialogue. And then you're like, well, actually, I think this, and I'll be like, oh, love this dialogue. I feel like I mean, we should I- be offering this service. We should probably hit somewhere in the middle. And also, like, to be clear, I, I think this is a, a point that that my girlfriend had made in watching the movie that, like, no, this guy, you know, this guy's so obsessed with every detail of this mission, yet he he somehow found this report. Like, what? That wouldn't happen. No, this must be her being afraid of stuff. And we never see her go in. So it's, like, completely, completely up to, like, interpretation when she goes in. It could have been first. It could have been even before Harry. Like, yeah. Who knows, you know? And it was interesting because I was watching sort of that part when they're all accusing each other of having been in the sphere. Because at one point, um, they don't know. They only know that Harry has been in it, right? And that's kind of what right. you were saying. There are three people and they're kind of like turning on each other. And they're both trying to convince Norman to trust them that the other one's lying. And... Honestly, Harry looks shady as fuck the entire time. I was- yep, and he goes in, and it's like very clearly hinted at that he goes in really early too. Yeah, we know. and that all exactly. of them went in early, and like they're all fucking doing this, like. And but that scene happened, and and then yeah, Rodrigo came in the room, my my partner, and he said, "It's like, yeah. wait, so did she go in?" And I'm like, maybe, and I missed it. Maybe I was looking away. I don't. <laughs> Like, I, I think it's know. implied that she definitely went in, but she it went never, in. yeah, but, but we it's never, never see it. like when it's, I feel like it's never clear when she goes in. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's very early and that the guys are, first of all, being sexist bastards, but also that they're acting that way because she's afraid 
that they think that. And so they are mm-hmm. acting a certain way because she's manifesting or she's manifesting these things like yeah. the food being away or the bombs going off or the, yeah. you know, or the report showing up mysteriously for commander guy. Like these are the things that are manifesting in reality because she's afraid of them. In fairness, commander uh, guy did relatable. okay a mission based on this one report <laughs> right? <laughs> by this one psychologist guy. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. I I am just obsessed with this core concept that it's like I they're all there because he wrote a thing once. It's very funny. <laughs> but it's very like that tracks now that we live in the world we live in now. It's like that tracks. That tracks. Yeah, Ten years ago, I probably would have like scoffed at this very premise. And now and I've been listening a lot. Like I have my face I I listen to a lot of podcasts and I have my face. It's like I went through the true crime phase like every basic white bitch. I went through so I, I have my and I'm now like in my the CIA sucks phase oh, of podcasts yeah. which yep. is very rich <laughs> say. yes oh yes and very wide and compassy you can hit every genre uh <laughs> cia blunders yeah. alone so i'm very much living my wow these dudes who rule the world are all much dumber than we all yep. <laughs> <laughs> like oh yep. I'm really, really, go- really going far into that concept at this juncture of my life. So this movie, like this center, this this center concept, really, really feel- fell into it nicely. And then also like the little things, like you put that in your notes, the banter, and they're like, "Oh, I got my first, like I got into MIT when I was like ten, whatever, like pre-puberty or whatever." I don't know, that, nineteen, <laughs> right, right. And they're having these dumbass conversations um, that they're very dumb. But at the same time, I feel like they kind of play into what you said of like, these are the these amazing academic brains who are supposed like if anybody is to be trusted with the freaking secrets of the universe, it would be these <laughs> people. And at the same time, uh, no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. What do they manifest? Stupid bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like snake fish. I don't know. Which, again, in fairness, I probably would have manifested that too. Because uh, snakes are my biggest fears. So I hope I never run into a sphere that lets me manifest Oh, 100%. Okay, government 100%. people listening to this, don't ever trust me or recruit me uh, to your <laughs> sphere mission. I will be a liability. I will not help in any way. I, I just, I mean, like, no, no, <laughs> no joke. Like, so I have OCD. I have like, I have, I have real OCD, actual OCD. Okay. I don't just say like, oh, I have OCD. Um, like, like, I'm I just so like OCD. I need to like my socks to be like exactly pointed a certain way. Right. I love when people say that. I don't actually care that much, but like, I do. I actually have it. And like, okay. any any sci-fi or fantasy or horror about like. Oh, the, the concept is your thoughts become real yeah. or, or even just anybody can read your thoughts is like truly like, oh, throw me out the airlock. I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, I, I, I would rather anything than that. the aliens trying to shoot me. <laughs> it's like, please. You know what? Acid spitting alien. Much rather deal with that than other people seeing my thoughts. Like, 100%. I can get a gun and shoot a, a, an alien. I can't do that with a literal exactly. thought inside my head. Exactly, exactly. So. so it's almost like, oh, this movie's like, this movie does not actually scare me that much. But like that idea 
fucks me up so bad that I'm like, oh, this is exposure therapy. This counts. I should tell my therapist. Like, oh, this counts as exposure therapy here. But also I like recognize that because of like how strong my relationship to that idea is, mm-hmm. I might just connect with this movie more than I would have otherwise. <laughs> like, it might just be like, oh, this is the scariest concept in the universe. I want to watch this. Like, that sounds interesting. Obviously, like so, in like, your case, I can feel yeah. why that would be uh, stronger, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, I would say also it is a human, it's very like relatable at a human level too, because. Yeah. And we see this concept explored also in other things, right? The idea that nothing really is more terrifying than our stupid ass brains. Yeah, for real. So so I do think, obviously, uh, with gradations and levels to how much it affects uh, you versus uh, me, for example. But, like, for instance, I'm very, I have anxiety and depression. So, like, I also understand, like, who doesn't? But <laughs> right, no, who doesn't sure. in twenty twenty two? But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, so I can absolutely understand what you're saying. That it does, it does seem like a very a scarier proposition than just like creatures being creatures, like Queen Latifah getting attacked by a bunch of jellyfish. Like, okay, that's not cool. She died. By the way, just as for Queen Latifah, what the fuck did they do Honestly. to her in this movie? <laughs> I just have to say also, I I, I want to hear uh, your point, but Queen Latifah, and that's Marga Gomez, who's the other officer. She's like an amazing queer comedian, actually, and she's I somehow just in this movie. Both of them deserve better than what happens to them in this fucking movie. I'm sorry, Justice for both of them. Please continue. I I, I don't want to derail your point. No, I, 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 it needs to be said. It needs to be said. <laughs> What the fuck did they do to Queen Latifah? And just like really right. living up to like the stereotypes that minorities right. get killed first and they right. just go ahead and what a waste of Queen Latifah. That's all I'm going to say. Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> no, but uh, I was just agreeing with you. I totally understand what you're saying that just the jellyfish alone. Okay. Like a bunch of killer jellyfish. That's not cool. And then it's like, Oh no, what if it's like a sleeping person manifesting jellyfish? That's really fucking terrifying. It's like Freddy Krueger right. shit. And who is the scariest villain? It's Freddy fucking Krueger. Cause he's inside your Absolutely. freaking head. He's in your head. <laughs> That's scarier than literally anything else. Like yeah. for us. And I can only imagine for you. So I can absolutely understand what you mean and how this could have impacted you sort of in a, in a deeper level. Um, and I forgive you for liking this movie. Okay. Thank That's- you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. That is all to say <laughs> that you have convinced me and I, as the queen of things, allow you to like <laughs> this. this <laughs> You'll be Thank getting you. your uh, certificate in the mail. <laughs> Thank you very much. I can I like it. it. Fernando allowed me. And then you can just show it to people. <laughs> no, like, again, the way you're explaining things, it's making it sound that much more interesting to me right now. <laughs> uh, one thing. So we've been talking about the ending uh, yep. <laughs> for a while. Oh, yeah. And I guess we can't, <laughs> we can't keep going around it anymore. <laughs> we have yeah. To- we have to address it. We can't pretend it did not happen. Yep. So the, yeah, the no, ending. we can't. We can't. They did. We can't. They did. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's hold hands right now and agree to forget 
that the movie ended like it did. So, Danielle, tell our listeners, how does the movie end? Oh, so the hot, sminky, sminky, sminky. I was trying to say smelly and stinky at the same time. And that's what came out of my mouth. Smelly, sminky, all words. We're making them up. We're making up words because I'm so disgusted by this ending. Hot ass fucking garbage ending. So there's a semi-cool lead up into it where they figure out how to focus on what's really real and what's being manifested, which is a little confusing, but whatever. It's kind of a fun scene. There's a whole maze shit thing, and that's kind of all right. Mm -hmm. They go up, and they have to go through their decompression chamber and all that kind of shit. And then they are like, okay, all right. And then they go to this logic puzzle that they introduced earlier on. Because there's a time travel aspect and because nobody knew that the ship was from the future, Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson says, like, logically, we all die. We all die down here because nobody hears about the thing. Which, like, you know, there's several other possibilities, but okay, let's just go with it. They decide that if they forget the power, and it's unclear if they're, like, forget they have the power or forget the power. I think it's that they forget the power itself so that they no longer have the power so that they don't have nightmares at night and then wake up and people are uh, trashing the apartment or whatever it is that Sharon Stone Mm -hmm. says. Uh, in this moment, uh, they forget the power because they have the power to do that. And they have a, a little back and forth about it in the most rushed scene that looks like they had about 22 minutes to shoot this entire scene. <laughs> um, really, really sucks uh, <laughs> because it's so rushed. And it's like, these are three genuinely great performers. Like, yeah. this is something went wrong. Something went actually wrong in filming this scene. I want to know what it is, but something didn't go right. If I ever they go back and forth. hang oh, sorry, out with any of them, I'll ask. I'll be like, Danielle yeah, must exactly. know. <laughs> Next we- time I hang out with Sharon Stone, <laughs> Next you know, time. which is every other day. <laughs> yeah. Like, she comes to Mexico City all the time, uh, and we <laughs> nopales tacos, and I'm going to ask her, just between yeah. us gals. <laughs> just between us gals. What the fuck happened on that set? Like, what? Did you seriously, like, was the lease up on the set? Like, what happened? <laughs> Like, somebody had a parking ticket? Like, I don't know, but something uh, happened. construction going on in the background. So, like, we got to right. film this in 15, right? guys. Like, 15. we've got 15. Better nail it in one. Oh, you <laughs> fucked up the line? Whatever. Go with it. Print. Print that. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, sorry, I've, I've, I, uh, I'm just so mad at how rushed it is. But, like, they go back and forth about, oh, what a great power. You know, no, no, no we shouldn't have it. We shouldn't have it. We shouldn't have it. They hold hands and they forget the power. And for some fucking reason like this is kind of bad enough because it's a very cliched thing but like i kind of i can kind of see it as a concept where it's like you just bit off more than you could chew as an ending and like okay this is like a neat little ending Mm kind of thing where it's like i could forgive that potentially i cannot forgive the fact that the sphere itself for some fucking reason bursts out of the fucking spaceship it goes flies out of the ocean and, like, some naval commander is just like, what the fuck is that? And, like, that's it. It's like, done. <laughs> the sphere needed to be set free, basically, by Which these is like, three assholes. Completely against the point of this is <laughs> some kind of artifact that we could never actually know what its intention is. Yeah. We could never actually know, like, what it was actually supposed to do. Again, this might be an alien vacuum cleaner. And it just has this effect on people because we're different and we have different biology. But, like, yeah. no, it has to, like, go for a little flight. And it's also the worst CGI by far in the movie. In a movie that is, like, I get 
has tasteful 90s CGI. I agree. I where agree it's used, you. it's used pretty sparingly and mostly yeah. to do like effects and things. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a big gross CGI critter. Even the yeah. sort of glowing sphere as you look at it inside doesn't look that bad. It, it's weird and it's just a texture, right? Yeah. But it I looks agree with so you. stupid. Oh, it looks so stupid. <laughs> it, oh. it, it, like you said, like the concept itself. Okay. If maybe that's it, they need to agree to... I, I don't hate the idea that they have to agree to forget right. that this power exists. Otherwise, they will forever be too tempted or tied to it or... And I, you know... They're or the, the military will weaponize it. Like, exactly. that's, that's sort of an implication too because they're in like a military... They're in like a naval center or whatever yeah yeah and you have like dustin hoffman's character i keep i one day will learn to say the character's names but not today <laughs> today is not that day uh yeah. where norman is like reflecting like oh it's hard to let go of it and it is right imagine like oh you're given all this power and then for like the sake of the earth you need to but i was like <laughs> almost half expecting Something to happen, like Harry to... Because that's the thing, and I will say, Samuel L. Jackson played Harry so freaking well because yes. he looks terrified. I actually read a uh, review uh, that I thought was... There was a line, a throwaway line there that was really funny. That was like, few things are more unsettling in the uh, movie universe than Samuel L. Jackson smiling. And it is, because his smile can mean so many freaking things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he plays this character at that verge of being like, he's hiding something, but also yep. I like him, but also he's been kind of like this sarcastic, sort of like tongue-in-cheek character from the get-go. And I don't know. And then I felt like he was going to be the villain at the end. And I think that kind of his the entity Jerry. So maybe, and then he was, so I think he was really masterful in sort of executing yes. this character that makes you very unsure on how to feel about him. Dustin Hoffman as Norman, I struggle with it. It's Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Like he's obviously incredible, but, and I get that he's supposed to be playing this guy who I fucking hate. Honestly, fuck. Norman. Yeah. He's an asshole. Like, he really is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little more uh, in doubt, but uh, like I don't know. I think that was the choices were made, and I don't know if I love them, but I get it. Uh, right. But yeah, so you have all that scene and with ideas that could have gone other ways, but the way that they did it was this: they literally held hands, agreed yeah. to forget, and then this giant sphere goes flying back to. With, it was very much, and then they woke up. Like it made Terrible. we didn't need any of that. Yeah. I didn't need any of that. So, and I actually thought I'd lost something in the ending. I went back. I was like, I must have missed like a subtlety, and it, I had not missed anything. No, it's just it's just <laughs> terrible. And I I genuinely think, and like maybe I'm wrong. And again, I like this more than anybody else has ever liked this movie, and that's totally fine. And I <laughs> I I'm love like that. Very you. okay with that. I am I totally okay with that. Everybody's got a couple, right? We're all like, entitled. Like this thing, you know. And <laughs> you, you do acknowledge that it totally sucks in some ways, but you still like it, you know, that kind of thing. So I think basically the ending is so bad that it actually sours people more than you would think. Like that eleven percent you know, fresh reviews feels a little harsh to me and I definitely get it. And I, I, I would just say that I think with the other stumbles that the movie makes and I, there are considerable mm-hmm. stumbles, 
it wouldn't be that bad without the how bad the ending is. So, yeah. yeah. I can see yeah. that because it was a very, like, and this is a very nerdy thing I do, just reading, like, reviews and stuff. But often I like to read reviews that go opposite of what I felt to kind of sure. see if they can convince me. Um, which just sounds like that one asshole guy in college who just picks debates with people. <laughs> But you're trying to learn. You're trying to learn. You're broadening your horizons. <laughs> I'm debating myself, so I feel like ah, uh, but yeah. So and I'll, yeah. it was a common thread. Like all of them just really, really hated the ending. So I see yeah. what you mean because eleven does feel incredibly harsh, and it's, it's like not that bad on harsh. um, it's not that bad on IMDb. It's sure, more that's than true. yeah. So I I totally agree with what you're, with what you're saying. And maybe that's uh, our billionaire uh, listener who I know is there. I know you're out there. I know you're out there and you can't reveal yourself for security reasons, maybe. Um, If you ever want to finance our alternative ending to Sphere, just let us know. (laughs) We'll work something out. They're all available, right? (laughs) Those those actors are still around and available. Like, come on. They are. Or we'll do it. We'll do literally something entirely different with none of the actors and it will still be better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It'll just be Kermit the Frog dancing and that's just better. That's good. Okay. We're good. Or yeah. uh, like your idea of plastic fish and piranha. We'll just have like <laughs> plastic actors. Plastic. <laughs> like just aliens. I don't know. It's a, We're workshopping it. It's a work in progress. Billionaire yeah. listener. Send we're us a figure. And <laughs> we'll get it done. Danielle, I feel like we've uh, we've we've covered a lot of ground, of ocean, of sea, of ocean floor, of coral, if you will. Anything else you want to discuss before we move on into our final section of the show? No, I'm I'm ready for the for. I think I know how it's going to go, but I'm ready for (laughs) shelf life. I think on this one. As a reminder, Shelf Life, the final segment of the show is when we decide, we pass our judgment on whether the movie we just discussed deserves placement in our staff pick shelf, which is the ultimate honor. Um, the core is there, which is weird, but that's <laughs> <laughs> but in Lionheart. <laughs> so yeah. that'll give you a, an idea of what our shelf looks like. Uh, Middle Isle, which is totally fine too. We have a ton of really good, solid picks just hanging out there. And of course, whether it deserves our lowest rating, the dumpster, the mysterious <laughs> dumpster, uh, where, I don't know, people materialize giant squids and giant snakes. So <laughs> yeah. get ready. Everybody, because we've made our cases and now we're going to come to a verdict as we move forward into shelf life. So yeah, Danielle, everything that had to be said has been said already. How are you ruling on this particular movie? And I know for you, this is hard because you're voting. You have your, your heart and your brain probably (laughs) in a battle here, but I want to hear how you feel at the bottom of your heart that this movie deserves to be placed. I, well, I genuinely think it fairly deserves a middle aisle placement. I think it 
has a lot of problems, uh, especially that ending, especially the weird, stupid romance. I, For me, I genuinely love it, and I think it does some things well, and I think it's the ideas that it raises mm-hmm. are amazing. Also, I forgot to mention, Liev Schreiber in this is actually pretty great as a very insecure scientist. Um, so <laughs> I'm just making that point here. In he Shelf just has that face. He just has a face that, of an insecure the scientist. <laughs> the line is Insecure incredible. politician, insecure <laughs> mutant, insecure... Like, he... <laughs> Yeah, he's really always so insecure. I hope he's okay. I think we, it's we the wish chin. him well. I, he has a weak chin. I feel like yeah, that's my we theory. Well. We truly I hope he's okay him. in real life, but he's playing I, these characters. Isn't he married to Naomi Watts too? Good on oh, him. Well, good for him. Honestly, good for you, dude. All right, he's doing great. Then he's doing great. I'm sorry I called you just the guy who played Sabretooth. That I mean no disrespect. Okay? You've done amazing things and we support you even though you look insecure. But go yeah. ahead. Danielle. It's okay. It's okay. We love you anyway and you did a great job here. <laughs> so right. you're Yeah, and that's where I'm putting it, I think. I think that I'm being fair. I feel like I'm being mm-hmm. fair with that one personally. No, but okay. You are. And again, last week you allowed me to save Piranha from the dumpster because yes. you felt my passion yes. and my defense. And I could never, I could never put Sphere in the dumpster after <laughs> this episode. Never, never. Because you really, really opened my eyes to a lot of it. And just, if it makes you this passionate, there must be some good stuff in there. <laughs> That's what I'm going to... And also, I feel like my my mood contributed a bit. I'm going to rewatch Sphere in a few months and see if okay. I go back on my judgment. But I agree with you. I don't think it's a dumpster pick. I think it has enough. Um, I would never, ever put it in my staff picks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I do feel like it's totally fair and cool to have it in our middle aisle. Thank and we can for, even for, put a little yeah. Danielle stamp there. Yeah, like, you could, we can have different stamps if need be. Like, a, we save, this person saved it from the dumpster stamp kind of thing. It could be like, Danielle really wants you to watch this on her birthday stamp. Exactly. Every, February the 13th, watch a movie that I love. That's all I ask. Thank you. We can even decorate the store on your birthday. Sphere oh. themed and be like, everybody who rents Sphere today gets... I don't know. Free, uh-huh. free raisinets or something. A yeah, like a movie I don't know how candy. we're going to be <laughs> with sanitary restrictions by then. Uh, oh, yeah. A sure, hug, sure. a pin, um, just a Danielle smile, which is worth a lot. Oh, so. <laughs> thank you. So like, yeah, middle aisle, a very, very uh, non controversial middle aisle pick, I think, with a little stamp of extra yeah. love and approval from Danielle. Feel like that really really settles it okay folks i guess that is all for this week thank you my amazing co-host for joining me thank you at home for listening thank you to our producer paul only powerful at night <laughs> tamayo another beautiful part of this uh anyway uh <laughs> for all the help in making this show not only not suck but also kind of rule because it does really freaking rule we hope you come back to our friendly neighborhood video star next week when we will be diving uh into something else (laughs) i think 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> We're watching Leviathan um, yeah. next week. And I, there's a shout out there that I want to give to Andrew Millington, who uh, is a fan and listener of the show. This was his suggestion. I have no idea what it's even about. <laughs> so if it's <laughs> just nice. blame him. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you won't uh, join us then in the meantime if you'd like to show us some support you can do so by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whichever podcast app that you use uh, you can join us on our Discord channel and talk movies with us we're always sharing opinions sharing links, just shooting the shit, uh, it's a fun time so come join us, you can follow us on social media, I'm on Twitter at Nanda Prates, N-A-N-D-A-P-R-A-T-S underscore, and on Instagram at just Nanda Prates, same thing without the underscore. Danielle, where are you on the interwebs? I am on Twitter at Danielle R-I. Amazing. You can go there. Uh, Twitter, we're also there at Fanbyte. We're also on Instagram at Fanbyte. We're on TikTok at Fanbyte. And of course, on Fanbyte.com. We will see you all here next week next monday and until then you love to see it <laughs>